Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. slowly read through the long passage that we're looking at this morning, I couldn't help but feel both excited and, if I'm honest, a little uncomfortable too. We haven't read all of Hebrews 11 because it is long, but it describes all these people from history who knew what it was like to live a faith-filled life, or at least to have faith-filled moments in their life. It describes adventure and victory against all odds. It describes unbelievable miracles, bravery, a way of living that pleases God. But it also describes costly obedience, a heart after God, sacrifice, choosing suffering and hardship over the fleeting pleasures of sin, preferring to be disgraced for the sake of following Jesus than to enjoy all the treasures um, this earth, this world can offer. In fact, it means living like strangers here on earth to await your real home in heaven. That is the faith-filled life me and you are called to today. A life that's probably out of all of our comfort zones. A life where anything could happen. A life that will satisfy you more than anything the world could ever offer. A life of obedience to the one who knows you better than you know yourself. A life where you may lose everything in the world's eyes, but you will gain everything in God's. As we read through this list of heroes of the faith, be encouraged though, these heroes were ordinary people, just like me and you. Here they get mentioned for their faith, but but we read in other places about their spectacular failings. They're not special people whose personal achievements got them a mention in this list of ancient heroes. They're not great in themselves, they act in great faith because of the one that they trusted. Living a life, um, a faith-filled life, is walking confidently through all of life, trusting God. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see. It's not an inner confidence in ourselves, in our own strength and abilities to turn things around. It's confidence in God. As I was writing this, I asked God to show me what distracts me and keeps me from living a faith-filled life. The answer I felt God say to me was fear. Fear of what people would think of me. Fear that if I gave God complete control, he might just ask something of me that I just don't want to do. And as I thought about that, I thought that when my heart fears, it really shows that actually I'm just not trusting God, that he's good and that he loves me. The opposite of fear and lack of trust in God's goodness is faith, it's confidence in God. So we're going to be thinking about what a faith-filled life looks like today. But before we do that, I want you to take that postcard that you've got and at the top of the postcard, um, write this question down. 
God, what is distracting me from and ke- what is distracting me and keeping me from living a faith-filled life? And I'm going to give you a couple of minutes right now to ask uh, God that question. Now, if if you don't want to write anything down, you don't have to. You can just pray and in your hearts ask God that question. God, what is um, distracting me and keeping me from living a faith-filled life? And when you've asked God that question, write down the answer that you think comes into your mind, that what, what, what you think God says. We're going to come back to those postcards at the end. Um, But from this passage and the lives of the people mentioned in it, I think there's so many valuable tips that we can pick up about how to live a faith-filled life. This morning we're just going to look at three of them. Believe, act and look ahead. I bet though, if you read this passage at home and dig into it yourself, you will find tons more. And there's so much in this passage. Um, But firstly, believe. Trust the word of God. Verse 3 that was read out tells us that by faith we understand that the world was created at God's command. And John 1, verse 1 to 3 says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. We understand that God created the world because the Bible tells us he did. If we trust the word of God, we believe that we live in God's world, that God created the world and he created us. And we believe that God knows what we need more than anyone else because he made us. The Bible tells us that because we're God's creation, his design, his artwork, his glory, that when he tells us that our very purpose is to live for him, we should believe it. As creator, God gets to decide what is best for us and what our purpose is. 
The difficulty is the world is telling us um, different things to what God says in his word all the time. We're constantly being bombarded um, with messages through adverts, through what we watch on the telly, through social media and the culture that we're in. Even the people that we hang hang out with are telling us that it's up to us to decide who we are and what our purpose is. And although in the Western world we're constantly being told that the way to live our best life is to be whoever we want to be, no one seems to be asking, is that working? Are we better people for it? You know, are we happier in the West? Because actually if we look at the world, we see that the world is not better. People are not happier. You know, mental health is through the roof and people are lonelier. You know, what the Western culture would say to us is that we just have to be who we are. And yet, the Bible says something different. Because if we believe what God says in his word and obey and trust him, even when it doesn't sit comfortably with what, what the world and culture is saying, we really will live a life that not only pleases God, but it's our best life to the full, thriving, happy, peace filled life. The only way we can fight the enemy's lies to keep, is, is to keep refilling our hearts on God's truth. Paul prayed for the Philippian church that they'd grow in knowledge about God so they could discern what is best. The more we understand about God, the more we will believe his goodness to us. Our family recently had a meal with an amazing family who for the last couple of years have been reading the Bible together every day. Every night at 8 o'clock they have what they call their 8 o'clock service where the family gathers, they take it in turns to talk about their day, they read a passage of the Bible, they discuss it and then they pray about it. It's really simple but they shared how that they're learning that reading the Bible every day and praying is totally transforming each of their relationships with God. They don't have to do it. You know, it's not about earning God's favour. They don't have to do it. But they want to do it. They recognise that as they're getting to know God more and learning to hear God speak, they're enjoying him more and more and trusting him more and more. We've tried a number of ways over the years to read the Bible in our family. Um, But the most consistent thing we have done is something called Porridge Club. Now, I have to be honest, I very rarely attend Porridge Club because, as by the title suggests, it's in the morning and I am not great at getting out of bed. But Tom and the boys before school every morning, whilst eating their porridge, um, have this short Bible time together and and pray together. And it's become just a a habit that they do, it's part of their routine. Whether it's the morning or the evening, whether it's on your own or with other people, filling our hearts with the truth of God's word is so important when we're living in a world that's telling us a different story about who we are and what our purpose is. We have to be intentionable, intentionable, that's a, that's a new word, intentional about giving God the space to speak his truth into our lives. Secondly, um, to live a faith-filled life, we're to act. We are to live an obedient life. This is putting what we believe into action, even when it doesn't necessarily suit us. Let's 
read verse 8 to 10 again. It says, By faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he didn't know where he was going. By faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. Obedience to God can be when God specifically and personally speaks to us about something like he did to Abraham. I remember a time um, in my 20s when I was single and all my friends were getting together with people and I really wanted a boyfriend. I remember standing at a train station on the south coast in the rain when I felt God say to me really clearly to keep waiting on him because he had a Caleb for me. We now have three Caleb's in this church, um, but it was said of Caleb in the Bible that he had a different spirit and followed the Lord wholeheartedly. In my desire to have a boyfriend, I'd been flirting with the possibility of getting together with someone who just didn't fit that description. God wanted me to wait for the man he had for me. And when Tom came along, he certainly did have a different spirit. In fact, an old family friend um, said to me, kind of sidled up to me one day, an old family friend of Tom's, I should say, and said, how are you, get, how are you getting on with Tom? She said, because he's always been odd. <laughs> so he certainly did, does, have a different spirit. So God, <laughs> so God did speak specifically to me on that occasion. But often the way God speaks is through the Bible. He's written a life manual for us to follow. We don't always understand it. We might not even agree with it or like what it says. But by obeying it, we're saying, God, I trust you. You're God. You know better than me. From the moment we're born, our human instinct is to do what we think is best for us. How many kids do you know who joyfully obey their parents in everything they ask? On the, re- you know, on the whole, the reason we ask our kids to tidy their room or lay the table or get their shoes re- on ready for a walk um, is, is because we know that doing those things is good for them and it's good for us as a family. And when we say no to our kids, um, you know, putting their hand near a fire or jumping off that huge wall or, or eating their body weight in sweets, generally we say no because we want to protect them. We want them to thrive. Um, we know what is best for them. We don't tend to ask our kids to do something that's going to deliberately spoil their fun or make their lives miserable or ruin their future. We're not perfect parents, but on the whole, we just want our children to flourish and we want to help them help the people around them to flourish too. But if we believe that God is the perfect parent who isn't out to ruin our fun, then we can trust what he says is good for us. If we truly believe that God is good and that he loves us, then we can joyfully obey him and be just like Abraham who obeyed and went even though he didn't know where he was going. I wonder what God is calling you to obey right now.
One of the things I've been convicted about lately is what I choose to watch on TV. I don't know about you, but at the end of the day, when I am so exhausted um, to do anything, I so easily fall into the habit of just watching telly. And um, my favourite type of TV programme is a crime drama. And um, now I know that there's nothing necessarily wrong with crime dramas. Um, for years, they've been my favourite kind of TV. But recently, as as our Caleb has got older, um, and I felt challenged that you know if this isn't good for him to be watching, you know I'm trying to find programmes that we can both watch together, which is very difficult. Um, if it's not if it's not good for him to be watching, then it's probably not good for me to be watching either. And so for the last month or so. I've been watching much less TV at night. I can't tell you that I've taken up a much more holy, you know, alternative. I haven't. And, and actually, often I've just gone to bed early because I'm a bit bored. <laughs> um, but I, I just, I, I'm trusting that this tiny step of obedience is part of my learning to live a, a faith-filled life. I wonder if you can feel your heart wrestling with God over something that he wants you to start doing or maybe stop doing. Could it be that you're struggling to trust God's goodness in your life? Or could it be that you're just rebelling against God's good plan? I really think that for our whole Christian life, God is going to be showing us new areas where he wants us to trust him, put him first and not ourselves. As we take these tiny steps of obedience, each step amounts to acts of faith, trusting God with what we cannot see or understand. And finally, look ahead. Abraham had his eyes on his eternal home. His life's purpose was to follow God wherever it took him, even if that meant living in a tent. I wonder how often our home, our surroundings, our comfort, our financial security get in the way of following God. It certainly does for me. We can be so distracted by all the stuff going on in our life um, today that we miss the fact that we're to seek God's kingdom first. We can be so distracted by like good stuff, hard stuff, just life stuff, that we forget that our very purpose is to glorify God. I remember having a chat with a lady who had moved from Kenya um, to the UK for her husband's job. The plan was that they would return to Kenya in a few years' time, and she said that just knowing that that really her home was back in Kenya and she was just staying here for a temporary time, had really taught her um, something about having an eternal perspective. She'd, she said that whenever she kind of saw something in the shops and thought, I really like that, you know, I'd like to buy that for my house. And then she'd think, well, you know, I can't take it with me back to Kenya. Um, and so she wouldn't. And she, she just began to live in a different way, with a different perspective, because she knew that her her home was in Kenya, it wasn't here, so what was the point in kind of gathering more stuff here that she couldn't take back? And yet she knew that that although her home was in Kenya, her real home was in heaven. You know, God was teaching her to live for her eternal home. When life feels so busy, how can we check in with ourselves um, and ask the question, what am I living for? 
I think it's kind of useful every now and, now and then to do a life audit. Write down all the things that you do, all the things that you prioritise in your life and ask yourself, am I doing this to glorify God? Am I living in such a way that pleases me or pleases God? Are these things truly satisfying me or am I just trying to fill a hole that only Jesus can fill? Do I make my life decisions based on faith or fear? Just as we come to a close um, a couple of weeks ago when Andy was so powerfully and humbly shared the hard, hard stuff that his family is going through, I believe that God gave me a picture. Out of nowhere, I started to think about swimming pools, bizarrely. It wasn't that you thought it was boring or anything. I'm pretty sure it was the Lord. Um, for those of you who can remember your first swimming lessons or remember taking children to swimming lessons, can you remember that clinging to the side that you did because you did not want to get out into the water? Not wanting to let go. That poolside was your security and you clung to it. I felt like God was saying that some of us are clinging to the side. We're clinging to the things in life that we think we can control in order to live um, what we think is a safe life. And actually, we think we're being pretty sensible. But I think God wants to say to us, you know, to let go of the side and take his hand, cling to him instead, surrender control of the things you just don't want to let go of. Because often we find that we've put our identity in those very things instead of Jesus. And instead, let Jesus lead you into the middle of the pool where he is the one who really sustains you. It's walking a faith-filled life with him where our best life is going to be had. Even if it costs us what we thought we needed most. Jesus' faith-filled life cost him his life as he obediently went to the cross. If we skip ahead a few verses into Hebrews 12 and Nick, whoever's preaching next week's verses, it says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. As we end, we're going to sing and I would encourage you to look again at your postcard and pray and ask God to give you what you need to live a faith-filled life. If you want to pray that prayer out loud during the worship time, we'd love, we'd love to stand with you in prayer for that thing. Um, and I also want to encourage you to pray, maybe share with the person next to you or, or chat about it over lunch today or, or maybe just go and talk to someone that, who knows you really well and that you trust and say, you know, this is the thing that's stopping me. And will you stand with me in prayer? We, we all need more faith, don't we? We all want to grow in faith. Um, so we can all encourage each other and pray with each other. Um, 
So let's be praying for each other that God would fill us, that he'd remove our doubt, that he'd reveal his great love for us, so that we would be added to that great list of ordinary heroes whose belief turned to actions of faith that pleased God.